Good morning. It is great to be with you. Thank you, as always, to our worship team for leading us to the throne of God and allowing us to lift God's name up. I know that it is such a blessing for me to sing with them, and I hope that it is for you as well. One thing that I wanted to mention today, if you would like a statement from 2020 for the giving that you did monetarily to our church, please just email me, Brian with a Y at glendale.church, and we will get you connected with our finance minister, Eric, so you can get a tax document that you need as you're doing your taxes this year. So if you gave to us in 2020, thank you for your generosity. And if you uh, would like to give to us in 2020, in 2021, so you can receive one of those awesome documents, uh, you can do so at glendale.church slash give. It would be awesome uh, if you gave to us. We are thankful for uh, this church's generosity. A couple things as we begin our sermon today, I'd like you to keep in mind. Eventually, the awesome Cameron Williams will be leading us in communion. So if you want to grab your items for that, we will be doing that in just a bit. I'd also like for you to grab a Bible. Uh, if you have one, this is one message I'd like for you to have a Bible towards the end. I'll, I'll ask you to pull it out so you can actually be really uh, looking at it. Like, don't worry, I'll just wait for you to go do that. No, it's, it's okay. You can get up while, while I'm still talking. It's, it's all right uh, with me. This morning, we're going to be looking at First uh, John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, which we'll get to in just a minute. But there's so much about life that if you're really honest and you think about it, there's an oxymoronic nature to it. Even some of the statements that we make, the things that we think of as somewhat normal, a few of them that are uh, interesting, Great Depression, taped live, tight slacks, working holiday, advanced basic, same difference, crash landing, and perhaps my favorite, Microsoft Works. (laughs) And if you really think about so much of life, there's just these statements that we made, this is what it is, right? And even as you think about your life, there are things that are the greatest gifts that you have in the world, but there's a sweet part to it and a bitter. There's some amazing things about that thing, and it's a great gift to you, but there's also some parts of it that are hard, and that's true of most things in life. And I think for us, especially as Christians, it's a challenge for us to continue to have a hopeful perspective and to look for the good and to choose to look for the good. But it's amazing what can happen if we do. As I think about my life, it's easy for me to think about the fears that I have and the anxieties that I have, whatever it happens to be about about work or about my life or my family. And it's easy to think about them and to let those things grow. And I'm really good at envisioning and imagining how this you know, little scenario could get way worse and become this huge gorilla that honestly would probably never happen, but it's easy for me to feed my fears and anxieties. And I'm not so good at choosing to think about the good things that are in my life and allowing those things to grow in my imagination. Like imagine if that could get so much better. I think we're good at focusing on failures or things that are problems and letting those things grow. But what if you could imagine you're good getting better? What if you could see that you have unbelievable, amazing potential to do good things that last in the world? That's what John teaches us, and specifically in this passage, 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, my dear children, I write to you so that you will not sin. Thanks, that's a pretty high bar. But if anyone does sin, 
We have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous one, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. This is one of those paradoxical statements like, I write to you so that you won't sin, but let's be honest, you probably will. And you're going to continue to need to rely on this grace. And you, as he's writing to these early Christians, you have the ability to lean into the reality that yes, you will sin. But every time you do, you have a God who picks you back up again, who dusts you off and says, all right, Let's do it again one more time. There's nothing that you could do that would make God love you any less. And God sees the great potential that you have. At times, even though we fall into our habits and our issues, and every time you once again say, all right, I'm going to just submit myself, God, to your grace. And once again, even though this situation is so hard for me, I'm going to give this up to you. Every time that you do that, God looks at you with great hope and potential and says, you can do it. And I often try to say that, yes, you will be a sinner for your entire life, but God's hope is that you aren't struggling with the same sin five years from now that you are right now, that there's growth and there's maturity and you can grow in certain areas and put some of that stuff behind you. And there's going to be a new sin that you're going to have to work on, but you need to have that perspective to once again say, I'm going to choose to look at my life with hope because, not because of ourselves, but because of who God is. One of my favorite preachers and a mentor of mine, Randy Harris, says this this way. He says, uh, be kind to your preacher. And if I ever run across a quote that says that, I think I need to just say it. But uh, be kind to your preacher because every week he or she is trying to say one thing, God. And every week your preacher will fail because God is beyond words. And this is one of those passages, John 2, 1 and 2, where I, I feel like I can maybe fail more spectacularly than usual because to try and put into words what this grace is, it's just too hard. To understand who our God is and that God chooses to love us in this way, it's unbelievable. For the people who were first reading it, they wouldn't have necessarily understood this either because at that time, there were gods and goddesses who people thought ruled the world in Greek and, and Roman and mythology and understanding of the gods and goddesses that existed in that time and place. There was a saying, as is above, so it is below. And the gods and goddesses, if you're familiar with any of the stories, um, some of these things that come out of Greek and Roman mythology, there's always these fights that were happening and the world is this way because Zeus did this and this happened and then this created this humanity. There was this big struggle and that's why you have to go to that temple and worship that goddess and that's why you have to do this thing so that God will be on your side. Basically, these god and goddesses, they're angry and you have to find some way to make them happy so you will be able to have good things in life. So as it is, Above, so it is below. Life is just going to be a struggle. You need to think about yourself and focus on everything that you need to do to somehow get the God or goddess of your choice on your side. And the early Christians talked about this completely differently. This completely new understanding of God and who God is. God sacrifices 
for you. God goes to a cross so that your sins can be forgiven, so that you can experience this, this great potential and hope. Our God is not like the Greek and Roman gods and goddesses of that time. This is a whole new idea that God is on your side, that God loves you, that as you fail, you can continue to rely and think of the grace of God. This is the gospel. Paul says this this way in Romans chapter 8, verses 19 through 23. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have been given the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Paul is very honest about what life is like here, that there are things that are hard for us to deal with. There are struggles and our bodies, all of us, like we await the redemption that is fully coming. But what Paul says is, is so profound and so true here that we recognize this brokenness, but we also recognize that God is doing this restorative work and that the things that are broken and, and sad that can bring us down, those things one day will not define us anymore. Those things are passing away and we wait with this expectant hope and lean into what God is doing in the world and through us. Do you believe that God sees and knows you and sees great potential in you? Do you believe that God knows already how you failed in the past and yet says, just get back on the path again? You have great potential and hope, not because of yourself, but because of who your God is, because Jesus died for your sins and that gives you fresh hope and fresh perspective every single day. I think for most of us, as we think about how we try to achieve things in the world, it is about us like striving on our own and just gritting our teeth and just, you know, I'm just going to try harder next time and it's all going to be better. We don't like to think of ourselves as sinners or recognize that we're part of the problem of the brokenness that exists in the world. There's a poem from the 1800s that says this this way, it matters not how straight the gate how charged with punishments the scroll. I'm the master of my fate. I'm the captain of my soul. And as I read that, I think that is so much of what's in the world today. I'm the captain of my fate. I'm the master of my soul. I can, I'm doing this all on my own. This sounds like a lot of the music. Perhaps there's like a beat. Did you just put a good beat to this? You can just see someone just working out on Instagram to this, right? I mean, just like, let me just, just have this on TikTok in the background as I'm just like doing my push-ups and getting going. This sounds like I would say very much the ethic of today. That, yeah, you're your own person. You can do it. You can beat this stuff on your own. And if you just, just worked harder on your own and just did this, 
you could make yourself better. And so it just gets you amped up as you're going to the gym and trying to knock some, some weights out or something. Like you are the master of your own soul. You're doing all of this. You could totally see this on the top 40 charts, right? I mean, there's all of this stuff that we like to think of. We think of ourselves as, as independent. We're going to figure this out on our own. The gospel recognizes that's not true, that first of all, we need each other to actually, you know, love people and accomplish something in the world. You have to be in community and relationship with people. And then secondly, we recognize that at times we are part of the problem. We need to raise our hand and say, yeah, I'm a sinner. There's ways that I don't get this right. And I'm not just the master of myself. I've heard it said before, you don't realize how hard it is to change until you try to change. And you think that you're the master until you think about the ways that you're not. You think that you're free. You have all this ability to make a choice. But in reality, we're slaves to a lot stuff. God invites us to recognize that and to say, yeah, I don't have it all together, but I believe in this God who is restoring all things. I believe in this God who will pick me up again and say, all right, let's try again right now. John says you need not sin, but even as you do, you have an advocate with God, Jesus, who has died for all of our sins. How are you participating in the life of God now? How are you participating in this restoration project, these things that are going to last forever? We don't like to think about our brokenness. We don't like to think about sin. Sin is a word that seems old-fashioned a bit. We use it to describe indulgent cake. But sin is something that we are all participating in. We all need to raise our hands and say, this is something that I struggle with. Because what happens if you keep making the same mistake? We like to use the word mistake. But what happens when you fly somewhere to make a mistake? Or what happens when you keep putting yourself in the same position to make that mistake over and over and over again? And again, what happens when you really do try to change and you recognize that you need some power greater than yourself and you need a community of people who are praying for you and helping you as you work through that? We don't like to face the reality of ourselves sometimes. My brother lives in Austin, Texas, and he is looking for a ping pong table for his family. And he saw this one. It was listed free um, to their credit, but this one was listed in fair condition. And if you can look at the picture, it's very warped. It would create a, a very bizarre ping pong game. Uh, but to say that that ping pong table is in fair condition doesn't really do justice to what the table looks like. 
And I think that's true. I know when I've listed some things for sale on eBay or something, it's easy to kind of like squint and go, yeah, it's pretty good. In reality, you can't really say like, no, this is in horrible condition. And again, that one at least is for free, but you can't really play ping pong on that table very well. It's easy to look at our own lives and squint a bit and say, yeah, I don't know. It's, It's not that bad, is it? But we need to be honest with ourselves that we are constantly struggling and falling short of who God would call us to be. But what's important then is that we say, but I believe in the God that can work in me to restore even the stuff that I don't like to fess up to. The line of good and evil isn't just out there in the world. The line of good and evil cuts through all of us. And we have great potential to do good things in the world. But it takes Uh, focus as we center ourselves on the love of God to once again and again and again continually say, I'm going to lean into this advocate that Jesus talks about. I'm going to lean into this story that John tells that even as you sin, as you fall short, you can once again be centered on the grace of God. There's sometimes I think that we get this wrong as we think about the grace of God in, in, in churches and what that means for us as we think about the forgiveness that we have because we've been so focused on sin forgiveness that we can forget that the next step of that is that your sins are forgiven so that you can be in right relationship with God and each other right now. Sin forgiveness isn't just about a pass one day. Like it is about you experiencing a more full, deep life with people in community around you who at times that you've hurt, at times they've hurt you, and you being at right relationship with those people. If it's sin forgiveness and that's it, we can have our focus in the wrong way. N.T. Wright, one of my favorite theologians, says this this way. He says, you are not oiling the wheels of a machine that's about to roll off a cliff. You're not restoring a great painting that shortly is going to be thrown into the fire. You're not planting roses in a garden that's about to be dug up. You are, strange though it may seem, almost hard to believe as the resurrection itself, accomplishing something that God will become in due course part of God's new world. Every act of love, gratitude, and kindness. Every work of art or music inspired by the love of God and delight in the beauty of creation. Every minute spent teaching a child to read or walk. Everything that builds up the church. Everything that makes the name of Jesus honored in the world. All of this will find its way through the resurrecting power of God into the new creation that God will one day make. As you think about your role in the world and your, your bodies and the things that you are doing with your life, you're not just oiling a machine that's falling off a cliff. You can be part of bringing in God's restored good world right now. What an awesome privilege and responsibility. For thousands of years, Christians have believed something that I think is, is so simple but profound. C.S. Lewis says it this way, no good, will, no good thing will ever truly be destroyed. No good thing that you do is not unnoticed by God. No kindness, no love, no self-sacrifice, none of that will just be ignored. No good thing will ever be destroyed. Christians have believed that for thousands of years. 
The resurrection shouts at us that what you do in this life matters and you can participate more and more in the life of God. Now, you have great hope and potential. So yes, you will always be a sinner, but may you recognize that that doesn't give you some sort of permission to just stay in the same place and come week after week and say, sorry, sorry God, I did that again. We are called to growth and maturity, to right relationship with God and with each other. You're not oiling some machine that's falling off a cliff. Every good thing you do matters, it makes a difference, and because it's like the love of God, it's eternal. That's what John is communicating here. You have the potential to do great things in the world. You have the potential to walk away at times from sinful, destructive behaviors and habits. And when you fall into that, sometimes you have an advocate. <laughs> but may you get on that path again and again, recognizing the great potential that you have. If you have your Bibles with you that I asked you to grab at the beginning, uh, I'd love for you to open them now to the beginning of 1 John, 1 John uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. And I don't have the words on the screen here. But in 1 John 1, 1 through 4, which we covered last week, uh, John says this, and there's something interesting I want us to, to notice about this. But we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have seen and heard. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. The one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him, and now we testify and proclaim to you that he's the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so you may fully share in our joy. So John writes this, and in your Bibles, it's broken up into all of these sentences. But what's very interesting about these four verses is that in the Greek, it's just one long run-on sentence. It's 127 words in English. It's just this long run-on sentence. It's this hymn of praise as John is trying to say like this is the great news about Jesus that Jesus came he was here he starts by just singing basically and starting this out it's hard to imagine this just being one long sentence but I looked it up to see what is the longest sentence in the English language and I actually think it's a, a book that was released called the Rotters Club in 2001 which is Three, 13,885 words, and the sentence lasts 33 pages. So this isn't even close to that. But this is John just starting off his letter with this, this hymn of praise, and he just can't stop talking about how great God is. Perhaps you know somebody in your life, and a couple people uh, come to mind who, like, when they start talking, you just know, there's one person specifically for me that I know that I just have to walk away from her because she just keeps going and going and going, and I love this person. No, it's not you, Sonia. It's actually no one that goes to church with us, but and I think this person's used to it that people after a while just walk away from her because she just kind of keeps going. There's no way, and I know that if I stand there, I could be there for about 40 minutes, so I need to, like, find some way to be like, all right, you know, thank you for that, but I got to kind of keep moving. 
Perhaps there's somebody in your life who's like that. And that's how John starts with 127 English words. Just here is this long sentence. This is who our God is. And then over into chapter two, he, he slows it down a minute. And he says, so dear friends, I write all this stuff so that you know that Jesus was real, that what he did mattered the way that he dealt with darkness and light, that stuff, it matters and it makes a difference, my dear friends. And I write this, this hymn of, of praise basically to invite you into this story because I know that you're going to struggle with sin and darkness and it's easy to just let, let your heart get into that space. But you, my friends, you have great potential because of who your God is. And my friends, the good that you do, it's going to last forever. Old stuff, it's dying. There's an expiration date on the sin and brokenness that exists in all of the world. And you, my dear children, you have great potential to participate with the life of God now. May you recognize you aren't oiling a machine that's about to fall off a cliff. We're working on a painting that's just going to be thrown into the fire. The good things that you do now they don't only make a difference in this world, but they're eternal because when you participate in the life of God right now, you participate in what is reality, in the love of God that will always remain. So every good thing you do matters. And you have great potential for good. As I was thinking about this sermon, I couldn't help but think of Tony Pino, a longtime member of our church, who a few months ago shared a story with me. And I said, Tony, can you come talk about this today? And I think it's especially fitting as today, um, 24 days into the new year, you've probably, like me, maybe given up on your New Year's resolution. You know, I think New Year's resolutions last for about 17 days. And it's hard for us to actually like persevere in those things. But may you, whatever that happens to be, if there's something in your life that you just know you need to work on, may you get back on the path again and be inspired a bit by Tony's story. And Tony would say to you, and he probably will say it now, but he's not perfect. and He's the first one uh, to say that. But it is amazing what God can do with us as we just continue to step and follow him and believe in ourselves, not because of ourselves, but because of who God is. So welcome, Tony, and thank you, Tony, for sharing. Thanks, Brian. Um, how do I follow that? Uh, I have no idea what we're going to do, but um, again, for some of you, you may know who I am. My name is Tony Pino. I, I'll, my wife and I will be at this church 21 years, going on 22 in November. And we've seen a lot of changes. There's a couple people I just want to say thank you to real quick before I kind of start chatting a little bit. One, um, the Atkins, we love you guys. The Settlemeyers, we love you guys. The Rogues, we love you guys. 
and to Kathy and, and Fred Howard. Thank you for the bottom of my heart. You know what that means. Man, I'm a crybaby when it comes to some of this stuff. But um, last year was a difficult year, and we all know that. And the beauty of what we're doing, just giving a message, is, is, is important. Because we know some of you may be dealing with some, some issues, whether it's substance abuse or alcohol, anxiety, or weight, food, whatever it is. You can always get through it. We have a church that's loving, we have a God that's loving, and we have people here that will help you. But I saw Brian in November of 2020, and he saw me, he said, hey, you look good, yeah, I lost some weight, okay. And he wanted me to share that story. So I put him off for two months. That's why I'm in January now doing this. <laughs> so, but I wanted just to, to reach out to our church and just let you know. To my wife, I love you. My son, Anthony, and his wife, Susie, and our first granddaughter, Zoe, we love you. My daughter, Kayla, and Alex, we do what I'm doing for you guys. Um, there's a couple verses I love. James 2.17, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. I use that daily. Don't talk about it. Do something about it. And Philippians 3, the whole thing, but 13 through 14, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is shared or what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I apply that in my life. My story starts off, in, and I'll try to make this quick, on a timer. Um, <laughs> December of 2019, I went to see a doctor, and he said, Tony, you're, you're not bad, you're, you're health-wise, but you weigh 307 pounds. And that sh shook my world. And I'm okay, I'm gonna do something about it. And then March of 2020, before COVID, uh, my wife and my daughter and I were in our bedroom, and she said, let's check our weight. I'm on, no, I don't want to do that. And then I stepped on the scale, and it said, I saw three, number one, and I jumped off. My daughter said, that said 317. I did nothing for my weight. And then COVID hit. And then my uncle got sick with COVID. He survived. But my uncle was a heavy man, and I saw what his weight did to his family and to my aunt. And I said, that is not gonna be me. So what could I do at 317 pounds, being my size? Really nothing, I'm not a nutritionist, I'm not a physical therapist or therapy of any type, so I just started walking. When I first walked my first two blocks, my feet hurt, my knees hurt, my ankles, everything hurt. And I just kept pressing forward every day, a little more, then, what I found out that at times I didn't want to go walk and at times I didn't want to just eat better. But the image of my uncle, that scared me. And I didn't want that for my wife and family. And then I found an infomercial and it blew my mind. I never listened to infomercials. And it talked about people who were 50, I'll be 52 in, in March, about people who are 50 who are overweight. And I, I listened to it and it was in there and, and it sold me. So I started working on my nutrition and my diet and I started to continue with that. And then March, April, the pandemic hit and then my uncle who had COVID recovered. 
but his body took a toll. And what I saw was my aunt suffer because of that, because of his weight and because and how heavy he was. And then I knew that I didn't want to be there. So I just kept walking and working on my diet and struggling every day and then putting my actions do the work. And then the support of my wife and our kids, at time making fun of me, but doing it. And then I started seeing the weight come off. The walks that I would have by myself to to talk to with my Lord and Savior just on my own and when I'm by, your, by myself just getting through it. It was not easy and it's still not. My uncle recovered, but in September, and I tell you about struggle, my uncle got sick and at the end of September, he passed away. And it, was, it wasn't COVID, but the but his body took a beating. And then that October, we were preparing for his funeral and then my aunt landed in the hospital the first week of October. And I was talking to her and she was doing better, but she was frail and she wasn't doing health wise. She wasn't doing well. And she told me that my, my uncle always wanted me to have a ring. So I told her I'd take it and I'll see you at your funeral for your husband. So we prepared that morning for the funeral. And that morning we get a phone call that my aunt was in the hospital. And the day of my uncle's funeral, my aunt passed away on his funeral day. And they go to this funeral and that hurt. And that's where I'm not, I have not, Shun God, but I'm dealing with my issues. And then to go to this funeral to lay my uncle down and to tell people where's Aunt June and to tell them that she has passed away on his funeral day was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Thanks. And once we laid him down and telling people over and over that she passed away this morning, the shock and I hit and I was... I was angry with my Lord. I was angry and I was done. And then after that funeral, we started preparing for my aunt's service. How fitting. And then that Sunday, and during this time, I'm still walking, thinking about things, working on my nutrition and drinking a lot of water, doing whatever I can. The day after my uncle's funeral, I took a walk. And I've been building up miles and I went and took a six mile walk. The most I've ever done, but my feet didn't hurt, my ankles didn't hurt, my back didn't hurt, because I started dropping the weight. So just like the movie Forrest Gump, when something happened to him, he ran the country. Well, I didn't do the country, I did six miles, but that was me. And then I saw Brian and he said, come and share your story and I'm all, it's not just the weight loss, it's all of it. So now, officially, as of this morning, I have lost around 49 pounds. Nice. It's not easy. And I say this, and I'll finish up. It, you're going to go through trials. You're going to go through issues. You just got to fight on. We have a loving church. We have a great leadership team here. Reach out. 
but I say this, for those who, of you who are maybe struggling with certain things, whether it's food, it's health, it's wanting to get better, it's addiction of some type, reach out. I just tell you, just, just do it. Do it, don't know, just, just do it. If you want to lose some weight, I tell you, just do it. Tell me, I want to work on my health. I'm not sure where to go with that. Well, just, just do it. Uh, my feet hurt. I can't walk either. I can't. I want to lose the weight. I don't know what to do. Well, just, just do it. Tony, I love food too much. I don't want to give it up. I, I want to work on my health. Well, then I tell you, you really got to do it. <laughs> but I hope my message helps. I hope how we tie in what Brian's talking about sin every day. I, I hope I love this church. I love my family, and I love my God, who is a, a Lord and Savior to all of us. So, again, be safe, church. We love you. We miss you. And uh, we'll definitely see you again soon. Thank you.